scatters. Fox scatters. Fox scatters. Fox scatters. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 210. Powered by swarms of homing bees. My name is Josh Canal. Mm. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. I'm a little bit concerned about that. What? Have we got homing bees? Yeah, that's how we got Nazim Hussain on last week. <sighs> Nothing but bees. Homing bees. It was very difficult, very difficult to train them. Luckily. And, uh, and, and very difficult to uh, to uh, p- pick up a comedian mm. and bring him to the studio. No, no that's the power of numbers. I said to you how much I enjoyed having him on the show. I wasn't here. Yeah, I listened uh, with my ears. Yes. Excellent. I You're thought. the one. I thought it was excellent. And and uh, and Harry Finelli as well. Yeah. And yeah. her her homing bee and her training homing bee training. She's but yeah, very good. That was an interesting piece. She's very good. You can hear her again next week. Yeah, John. Or you can hear her last week if you played. Or you can hear her last week if yeah. Yeah, because podcasts that works work out. like that. You can travel in time. It's amazing. It is. In this time machine that is Box Cutters episode 210, we're going to be oh, talking about a show called The League, which is a, uh, a show that was on FX in the US. So we'll do that in our review. That's the Brian Brown channel, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing but Brian Brown. Yeah. Brian Brown and, uh, and, and what's his name? He used to always play a cop. Brian <laughs> <Yeah>. Dennehy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Nothing but Brian Denny. Brian Dennehy and Brian Brown all the time. Yep. All Brian. It's yeah. It's it's weird. Uh, Breaker Morant in the heat of the night spin-off mashups and small clips from uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And uh, and you know some cocktail. It was Brian Dennehy's the dad, wasn't it? Romeo and Juliet. No, I've said that. I'm thinking. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, oh and belly mm. of an architect. Oh yeah. Party on. A, a, so, but also a little bit of cocktail and belly of an architect just shoved together. <laughs> Man from Snowy River, too. Which one? Oh, Brian, Brian Brown Dennehy. or Brian Dennehy? Dennehy. He was the American. Because Kurt Russell was not... Uh, no. K- Kurt Russell? Kirk. <laughs> Kirk Douglas? Kirk Douglas. Kirk Cameron. <laughs> Have you seen his, his latest television show? No. What is it? It's The uh, Banana. I'm a Christian. Get me out of here. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's basically him and the leader of his church uh, talking about how we didn't come from no monkeys. Okay. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a great piece of television. And if you ever just... catch the uh, the Christian Channel on uh, on cable every now and then, was... it's fun. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> you were saying something. I was. I was. Uh, we've got uh, letters to box cutters. Uh, John, you're going to talk about TV cliches. Yes, we were meant to talk about this two weeks ago. It all it all went wrong. It all went but horribly we will. wrong. We will. Horribly wrong, but in a good way. Excellent Ooh. episode two hundred and eight. If you want to listen to it. You can still do that. It's like a party in, in your ears. It's it is like a party party in your ears. What was on that? Episode? But you can always hide I, I in the know. kitchen. I can't remember. It was good. You were here. It was an even one. Yeah, yeah Nelly was here. Nelly was here. Yeah. Oh, just in the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And we talked about uh, men stuff. of a certain age. Yeah. I think anything else you need to remember is between you and your hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Uh, we've got one thing. We've got uh, some pork. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. And now for the news. Hmm. Hmm, an article in... Uh, hmm. <laughs> it's just the way that it kind of all lines oh, yeah, down I did, there. I did say last Without week, you can, you, can play, you can play the long one again. I, I just know I just liked how reasonable that was at the end. Like, you know, I thought, hmm. <laughs> yes. yes, we agree with the news theme. <laughs> 
What a cheeky little news thing. <laughs> An article in the Sydney Morning Herald this week wrote yet again about how uninformed people are about the uh, digital television switchover or the uh, analogue switch-off date. Do you think this is actually kind of being spruiked to the journalists by uh, members of the opposition who just want to... Uh, further distance themselves from the, the stuff up in the in the first place that they caused? Sure. I, I, I think that's I think that's that's quite likely. Uh, the, the the report uh, according to the SMH the, the report on public awareness of the digital handover said that only one percent of people could actually identify the switchover date in their area. Can I ask though that's one in a hundred. I think that's a pretty good hit rate. Yeah, devil's advocate as I, I like to do. Does it matter though? I mean, is I mean, is it the sort of thing that, that people don't really need to be aware of until, say, a month beforehand, which is when they kind of or or ever? I, I don't think they need to be aware of the date ever if, mm-hmm. like, ninety one percent of the people who were uh, who were listed in, in the report, they know that there is actually going to be a switch off date. If they know there is actually going to be one day when they can't get analog signal anymore. It doesn't matter as long as they're prepared. And all it is is a set-up box, yeah? Yeah. So presumably, as long as people, at some point before that happens, pop out to JB Hi-Fi and buy themselves a $30 set-top box. As long as they've got a television that has uh, composite inputs. Because set-top boxes don't work along the lines of uh, being in series on the coax antenna uh, connection. No, but you don't need you don't necessarily need composite inputs. You could do it with just uh, video and audio. Just the the you could do it with okay, just so two two connections. You could you, like. you could have the video the VCR as a middleware essentially hardware piece. So yeah, you, you could. Here's yeah. a weird thing. I mocked those ads on the ABC two where they were going. Um, you know, hey, How look, I, I'm a mum. I'm plugging this in, and I thought they were really stupid, and yet. Knowing that I have plugged it all in at home and done it all, hearing you guys talk about it just then, I felt I was bewildered. I honestly thought, I don't know what any of that means. And yet, I know I've done it, but I don't Is know Is it what just because means. we know the names of the different possibly. leads? Possibly. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Because it, just... and, and for people at home or you know, on the tram or wherever it is you have your television hmm. who don't know uh, how to plug something into something else, it's all colour-coded. So you plug the yellow into the yellow, the red into the red, the black into the black, and so on and so forth. And which wire do you cut? You always cut the blue the, wire. The one that's the blue wire. The no, one, no, the red wire. Never the one that's holding your pants up. Okay, that's that's the rule. In this article, it points out that uh, the first area to switch in the country is Mildura in regional Victoria. Um, I'm not sure that Mildura is more than one percent of the country. Why does the the remainder of the country that's not switching for another two years need to know what date? It is. Well, that's what I'm kind of wondering. Yeah. Like, like, what is the purpose of this? So it's only germane to, to a regional well, and this, area in Victoria, which is coming up in the second half of this year. And that kind of brings me to, to my point, which is that these reports are a, a bullshit waste of money. And uh, most people are aware that the changeover is going to happen at some time. These people who know that they know that they need set-top boxes. They know that they need to, at some stage, go out and buy them. Knowing the exact date isn't actually that important. And, and worse than that, by publishing articles like this, it, it is just another form of fear-mongering. Uh, mm-hmm. You're publishing articles about a lack of knowledge. I think the biggest danger here with an article like this is that the government's going to go, oh, not enough people know when the date is, and they're going to postpone the switch-off date Again. Again, right? 
uh, which which we don't need at all. And then they're well, going to spend more money launching another campaign saying, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Everybody strap on. I think also because the, the worst case scenario we're talking about here is that some people discover they can't turn their TVs on, you know, and, yeah. and then they go out and buy a set-top box. So it's not like, you know, people might have to live without television for, well, you know, even a week. Let's the, say, let's say no, Maya sells out. Let's say it's a week. Worst case scenario is that 9% of, of people go through that situation mm. and then they take their, their television to a television repairman who says, well, there's nothing wrong with the television. Have you got a set-top yeah. box? And I'm saying I think this is a, a, you know, a worst, case, worst case scenario we can probably live through. This apocalypse I, of which you described, I, I, I think I, is, you know... I think it is. I, I also think that if the government was going to spend more money on this campaign, why not focus that money on the 9% who don't know that anything is happening at, at all. all. Yeah. And, uh, and, and really spend the money that they would have spent on countless more reports and, uh, and, and advertising campaigns. Just hiring people to knock on your door and say, are you aware that this is happening? Here's some information you might want. Oh, you don't have a television? Well, then it doesn't affect you. Mm. But do they really need to do that? Can't we just have... People talking to it to their neighbours, to their shopkeepers, to the checkout chick. If people, like, you know, what has happened to community and, and face-to-face relationships? Also, as, as the day Brent, co- if people are talking to each other at supermarkets and and the going television over, has failed, then they're not watching television. <laughs> yeah. That's no, time. Can, that's time they both. could be watching television. We can do all of that. But During I, the ads. But I'm thinking, surely, too, as the dates no, are no, coming... No, no, because everybody's going to watch the ads. <laughs> as the dates are coming closer, the paper's all going to be going, hey, it's switch-off date in a week. I mean, surely it's not going to happen without anyone noticing. I imagine there'll be quite a lot of build-up in the media. I, I also, can I... So. Like, the, the only driving force behind the switch-off is so that it frees up uh, broadcast spectrum so the government can sell that off. So there's no there's no pressing need to actually turn off the analog signal. Uh, controversial. What about the pressing need to turn off the analog signal? Have you thought about that, Brett? Uh, <laughs> huh? Huh? It's the self It needs to be turned prophecy. off. It needs to be turned Why? off. Why? Because you can't have two signals going on. What we, analog? We, we, have. we <laughs> have. We have for like five years. Yeah, but that's a, that's an allowed uh, amount. Any more than uh, <laughs> any more than than that, and we start getting some kind of radiation poisoning from well, two signals. This, no, this, this whole, no, that no, that doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. See, so, so I can look at it from from two two perspectives, that, uh, uh, and they're both government conspiracy conspiracies. One is that they just want to sell off the spectrum to uh, to cellular uh, spectrum. Yeah, providers and, and providers. They can. Um, they can. It's. I'm it's, pretty sure I've, I've looked at articles that, that are talking about who else wants to use the spectrum. Um, the it's other a spectrum that we could use. The for other is, things like wireless internet, couldn't we? Rainbows. Uh, we'll get more rainbows. More rainbows. Well, that spectrum available. What well, wireless inter- internet is over the the cell uh, spectrum anyway. Right, but if that's so, so basically your, your wireless modem is a, a mobile phone. It's it's talking to a to a mobile phone tower. Yeah, but I can't make a phone call through. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm playing idiot here, and I um, shouldn't be. Uh, the, the, the other the the and the second is that maybe the government came up with it because it's good for the economy because it'll force everybody that has an old black and white TV that doesn't have uh, a simple way to plug in a set top box, they'll have to go out and buy more consumables. That's like Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, published in 1930. 
It, it is it is like it, but less pages. I'm just trying to bring some literary element in. <laughs> I, I, actually, I also just realised we're doing a news story about how certain news stories are pointless, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't want to examine the show too much, John. Right. Oh, sorry. We'll, sorry. We'll, we'll disappear into irrelevancy. I know. I know. Uh, my, uh, my door-to-door suggestion, though. I, I there could be problems with it. I, I see problems with yes. that. I see problems with that because uh, in, in another digital switchover ignorance-related story, uh, the SMH again reports that people have been scammed by door-to-door salesmen who uh, who have tried to sell people set-top boxes and tell them that they will get a government rebate for it. And there aren't a lot of details in the, in the story, but they say they're going to get a government rebate for it People pay $60 for the set-top box and then money is taken out of their account. So at some point... So it's Nigerians door knocking. At some point, people have given their bank account details to someone who has just come to the door, bought a set-top box from them, believing that there's going to be a a government rebate, plugged the set-top box in. It doesn't work. It's so wrong, but I'm thinking we should reward that kind of initiative. Like, yeah, well done, scammers, for finding a, a you know, an untapped slice of, of the market that they could well, tap this into. Is sector of ignorance. It doesn't... It's a sector of ignorance. If somebody comes like to your door wanting to, trying to force you to buy a set-top box from them, ask them for their proper credentials <laughs> and their manager's phone number to uh, check it out. Well, they had all the proper tags and everything. Yeah, they've probably got like a card S- that says, says uh, authorised set-top. That was talking about the box itself, wasn't man. it? Not no, 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 that was about the person. Uh, the the uh, the the article said uh, this is uh, Linda Screaman of Aubrey. Screaman, Screaman, Screaman. Well, there's only one M. Captain Screaman, Scream, Screaman, Screaman. Uh, they they all had tags and documentation. It looked legit. They didn't really give me an option to say no. They said the government was doing it, and they had been advised to come to my house and do it. So I love the idea of the government spending money to go to people's houses. But now these people are just going to be scared of opening the door to anyone. Who they, they, they should do a door-to-door campaign against scamming to warn you that people will be coming door-to-door doing scams. And if you give me 50 bucks, I'll make sure that nobody <laughs> yes. comes to your house yeah. to, to scam. This is, this is what I don't understand, though. The thing was $60. She gave over her bank account details. We don't know how much money was taken from her account. But the first time I read this article, I thought, if these scammers are going door-to-door, selling set-top boxes for $60... That's not a very good scam. No, it's a lot of a lot of time and effort goes into just getting sixty dollars. Yeah, and that's pretty much what a set top box sort of costs. Yeah, on the low end. So yeah, maybe they're actually just selling set top boxes. Embarrassing. They they, they they went out to do a scam and they end up just selling some set top boxes that don't work. Oh yeah, well, that's which not... they could easily do from a store. Yeah, <laughs> I, I believe JB Hi-Fi sold me mine like that. Um. <laughs> But I took it back and they gave me another one. They were very nice. When I was in the UK, uh, they launched Channel 5, which was a free-to-air analogue terrestrial uh, station over there. Mm. Um, And the government over there actually did send people door-to-door to tune the TVs into the new station. Right. Which was... That's not a great use of uh, well, taxpayer money. That's funny too, because you said about you know, credentials, and it's like, well, what ID would you, would you? I mean, yeah, because anyone can print some ID up that looks really official, and we don't know what we're looking for. But there was like there was a, a big public awareness campaign that people would be going door to door, probably with specific dates for the specific right. areas, 
Um, and that could and could you request to not have some guy come around and just mess around with your TV? Could could you could you say no? I think no. That's all right. I've still got my instruction book. I think it's one of the requirements of uh, having a TV license that you must let in any uh, accredited uh, service people. I'm just making this up. No, 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 yeah. Because yeah, what if you want to say I don't want topless darts and documentaries about Hitler? Can you? Yeah, I don't want Channel Five. Well then, well then you're in the wrong country, sir. <laughs> yes. And at, at that point, we didn't know that uh, that was what was going to be the content on <laughs> oh, there. Channel Five. Okay. Um, yeah. And they actually went around before the launch of Channel Five, so there might have been a test pattern, but there was no content as such Probably on a topless there when they were pattern. they were doing the uh, the tune in. Topless Hitler test pattern. <laughs> in uh, in other news that doesn't interest us very much. Uh, <laughs> Uh, television advertising market uh, declined in the second half of uh, of last year. Uh, revenue fell uh, to a, a measly $1.8 billion. But on top of that, who could have seen that coming? Who could possibly have seen that the television sector might be losing? Oh, hang on. Haven't we done that in the last two Christmases? Haven't we had Tom Elliott come in the last yes. two years to come and save virtually and just that? And just say, yeah, that uh, t- it's, it's amazing that if... If they had listened to this show, I know. If only they would not, they wouldn't write the article as surprised as they seem to have, have done, with exclamation marks and, and everything and shock horror written all through it. Did they put like um, little little sad faces? They did. They did. It's in fact, it starts off very uh, very matter of fact like like that, and then just ends up being just a smear of emoticons <laughs> later on. I'm not article. sure though, because uh, you know they've only got figures from KPMG. Where is where where are the figures from Harold Mitchell? I don't think that we can really take anything as gospel until we've seen some response from Harold Mitchell. Well, I I can't be sure, but I don't think Harold Mitchell bought his extra car this year. His extra car? Well, every year he buys a car from all the money he makes from selling advertising spots. A car? Yeah, he, he buys one. That's just his thing, right? That's his little but hobby. the whole run of, of the, the car. What, what? What do you like, mean the whole run like, of the car? Like, no, what? just the door. What? What do you mean? <laughs> no, no, but but the I entire t- production of of a particular model of car, like like say the the Holden Astra, was never released to the public because Harold Mitchell bought up every single Astra. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you're, you're, you're that's turning, what he did with his money. You're turning, yeah, you're turning a made up piece of crap uh, <laughs> into a very very complicated and unnecessary piece of crap. We call that. Killing well, what little joke there was. Yeah, I don't know who Harold Saying Mitchell Harold is because I've, I've Medi- divorced neighbours. Medi- <laughs> from his profits, uh, bought a car. Isn't it's it's kind of kind of damning with faint praise, I think, because the cost of a car is not that much. Yeah, I, I don't think we should. I think he's making a lot more than that. I don't think we should spend all this time analysing my not very good jet. joke. I just. I just say it, it wasn't a very good joke. Another island in the Bahamas. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think we need to <laughs> shape like a car. Spend this time analyzing it, and that <laughs> is the box cutters news. Tom Elliott here from a variety of different media organisations: Three Triple R, Three AW, Channel Seven, Mornings with Kerry Ann, Inside Business on a Sunday with Alan Kohler. I like to spread myself around and so should you. Listen to the box cutters on the internet or any other media you can find them. I think it's educational. I think it's fascinating. I think you might even learn something you didn't know before. Listen to the box cutters. I always do. That was a very live room we recorded, Tommy. Can I, can I also say, if I mention anyone, can you then do that? Is that a cool trick? That I, yes. I can mention anyone yes. and you can, you can make that happen. Yeah. Okay. I might have to do it retrospectively. <laughs> can I tell you how glad I was that I didn't kill J.D. Salinger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can was, see. I can see how that'd be pleasing. Yeah, yeah. 
It was his own it was his own bitterness and misanthropy. I think most people thought end, I think. he was dead anyway. Well, because of the, uh, the the isolation, the misanthropy. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's funny how that, that creeps up. Well, he never wanted to uh, to to go in. To I I did read uh, a, a report just recently that they wanted to have like a, a sequel type thing to Catcher in the Rye. No, no, they were suing the um the the author of. Uh Actually, that's funny. That he's gone out. He's gone out on a lawsuit, which is probably quite depressing when you end your career. Didn't get to finish. Um, sorry, sorry. We'll talk about, sorry, that's, about books that's here, people. That, that's what's going to happen to uh, Channel Seven. Yeah, eventually. but, but yeah. no. But um, there was a guy I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> he wrote a book, and the idea is the book was a sort of uh, parody, satire, sort of sequel to Catching the Rye. Like um, what's his face growing up? But it was no. It was about an author called J.D. Salinger <laughs> who oh, was, was not running a book, and J.D. Salinger sued him. And uh, you can't buy it in America, but you can buy it in Europe or something crazy like that. Ah, oh. thank God we don't have some kind of international electronic way of purchasing things because that would just blow that out. Of that the would water. just that would just be horrible. Yeah, that would just be horrible. Speaking of which, the league. See what Isn't I did horrible? there? <laughs> I made it sound like it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> the league is a six-episode, half-hour comedy about a group of friends from high school, now all grown up, who are bonded by the toughest of all relationship criteria: fantasy football. Yeah, I know. Specifically That's American silence. football. Really, I, I think I, I may as well have said, uh, a group of high school friends all grown up and staying a close-knit group through the benefits of pretense. Is it just because I actually realised halfway through episode one I didn't know what fantasy football leagues were. I, I, I suddenly realised halfway through I had no idea what this was and I looked it up. So basically for those, I mean, maybe it's just me, maybe everyone knows this, but it's, it's football tipping meets Dungeons and Dragons as far yeah, as I can yeah, tell. Yeah, it's, it's role-playing it's role for people who used to beat up role-players. It's like the geekiest thing possibly imaginable. You, it's just, you, yeah. get to, you get to pretend like you are the manager of a football team. It's funny because being sport, it's presumably acceptable, certainly in America, but to me this was sadder than being like a huge <laughs> Stargate fan or something. This just seems so pathetically nothing. It, it, be, is, yeah. it, is, it is a very, a, a very strange thing. I've been involved in a, a fantasy baseball league mm-hmm. and I can see how people get obsessed because it's all done by the stats and, and, uh, and who scored what and how they, they scored it and and what kind of stats they had as to whether or not you win or lose in, in a week. Uh, and I can see how people get obsessed by it, but to me it was just, it, it was almost like a chore rather than... It, does, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like much fun. And, the, and it's very jocks-ish from the, the look of it. It's certainly very macho kind of... Well, well, at least the show is, I don't know. That basically it, it forces you into a position that you've essentially got to watch all of the games of every round because you you in your fantasy team have players from every team around like any any good players from any good teams you've got to watch those games it's, so that you can follow how your stats are going right it, it is a great thing for for fanatics and i think fanatics is is kind of what this show is about but i i'm personally finding that more and more that when we break down a lot of these new shows there's nothing spectacular that that really stands out or sets sets them apart, and this is a, a problem for me because if they don't have a unique premise or at least a unique take on an old premise, then they need the cast and the writing to pull it. This off. one curiously has a really fascinating cast. It, it just it, it's a really interesting bunch of people if they've put together. We, yeah, mm-hmm. we've got um, uh, Paul Shear from uh, Human Giant. 
Mark Mark Duplass. I'm, I'm going to say Duplass. I don't know how these names are pronounced. Duplass. Ma- Mark Duplass <laughs> um, is actually known as as the De Niro of the mumblecore movement, and I was actually yeah. quite shocked to see because he's the first thing you see. I went, "Oh my god, it's that guy!" And uh, people in Melbourne at least probably know him best from Hump Day, which was in the Melbourne Film Festival, and uh, and he's done Baghead and Scrapple as well. Yeah, which so were... a lot of these, yeah, these ultra micro budget indie movies which have gone under the name of mumblecore in the last few years. So that was actually kind of funny to see him in, oh, in so such a music. mainstream. No, no, no. Sorry, it's a film. It's a film movement, not a music movement. Um, uh, two, two Nick, members, two members of the Upright Citizen Brigade, Paul Shear and uh, Nick Kroll. And I was just saying, and John, John, I don't know how to pretend because Lejoy Loi, which uh, I knew him because he's that internet guy who people might know. He had a lot of viral internet songs with things like uh, "Everyday Normal Guy" and "Show Me Your Genitals," which was very oh. cool. And um, so seeing him on, is, in this, is he also the guy who did the song of Two Girls One Cup"? Possibly. I don't know. I haven't seen that one, but it could be. Oh, because uh, that was a now that's kind of ringing a bell. And I was to say, and Nick Kroll, who like me, you'll probably remember from Sports Night in the West Wing. Although that was actually Joshua Molina. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I felt yes. that distracting all the way through. Going, wow, Joshua Molina is now called Nick Kroll. Uh, he, he's also uh, done uh, voices in Life and Times of Tim, yeah. uh, and was also in Brett's favourite show of two years ago, Cavemen. Oh, based on the uh, Geico commercials. Yes, but it is actually that was never my favourite. But oh yeah, really? I didn't it, find it that offensive. It wasn't. It wasn't your favorite. Not as show. offensive as, as you and uh, Ross. John. <laughs> yeah, no, no, because I could be. Yeah, I, even I didn't find it as offensive as former me. No, no, I actually thought it was passable in a bland way. But and that's the weird thing with this show that the cast struck me as kind of a fascinating mix of you know internet you know sensations and stand-ups and, and it's, you know and it's, mumblecore it's actors cast, and stuff. And it's the cast that kept me watching. But I find the show itself quite unremarkable, which is not mm. to say that it's not. Entertaining. Well, I was going to say, uh, to say that, of course, I hated it, but but that's not surprising because there's, there's, as we know on this show, there is a genre of comedy which I've decided now to call asshole comedy, and I, I, I never warmed asshole comedy, and this was one of them which I, I just had that thing of these men are horrible and they're horrible to each other, and they're, there's one episode where they basically seem to just try and destroy their friend's uh, relationship for no other reason than they think it would be funny, uh, which I, I and, found quite alarming. And isn't that isn't that horrible? I mean, that's I find that. When I when I pick apart this show and I, because uh, I, I found that there were funny bits. I found there were some things that were humorous. There was something about it that I found quite entertaining or at least compelling, but I couldn't work out what it was. And then I, the more I analysed it, the more I realised that I, di- I, I just didn't like it at all. I, I didn't like the mindless shenanigans of another group of men who fail to grow up. Well, that was the other thing that was interesting because there's, there's five of them, which is an odd number for this sort of comedy. Usually you have three or four, but it's, mm. it's, yeah, it's, there's a lot of characters. And they, they're very aggressive, very competitive relationship with each other, which to me came across as quite unpleasant. I was going to ask you guys, because I thought this might be something from the Twilight world of the heterosexual. Do you, do you actually have friendships like this? Do you, do you have those kind of really aggressively competitive friendships? You know what? It, like in, the, in this show? When... When I'm playing poker with my friends, mm-hmm. uh, I I have that, but but generally not, and uh, but but I think you know I I, th- I think maybe I'm a little bit different because when I started playing baseball, I realised exactly why I didn't like sports, organised sports before that, uh, because I didn't like the type of people who were drawn to organised sports, and they are these these types of people, mm-hmm. these very uh, selfish, uh, bonding through competition, people who uh, who who really are only 
they're bullies, essentially. Everyone's uh, kind of a, a little bit of a bully. Yeah, there's a bit. Of, I mean, I'm Brett, surprised you... that you found that with your baseball team. Um, so that's a girls' sport. So that's, that's something I would it's imagine with a, a footy or cricket team. Uh, but having grown up and, and still playing basketball, I've, I've never kind of had so much of that. Um, whereas footy and cricket are, are more you kind of beer drinking and, and going on, on end of season trip and stuff. But, but do you, um, Mr. But I've, I've, never, I've never been involved with that. But I think that the kind of fantasy football league stuff is about people wanting to feel like sportsmen, but they, they can't do it. But did you find the friendships in this show recognisable to you? Did you see that as a... Are they like Recognisable from other things I'd seen on TV? No, no, no nothing. But nothing not from that, real life. That okay, I've that's what I was kind of wondering. Especially because you know, two weeks ago we looked at men of a certain age. So it was kind of funny. I mean, you know, that's, that's people a bit older than, than this show. But it was interesting that men of a certain age, there's this, there's this distinct love and connection between those characters that made it quite to me quite rewarding and I've experienced relationships like that yeah you know and that that struck me as believable they're blokes and they react to each other like blokes but there's there's this core that holds them together and you can see that they're friends whereas these guys I just find myself going you guys don't like each other you you actively dislike each other and yeah I find it very uncomfortable to watch I'm not sure they do I I think maybe that's just how people are that watch football Mm -hmm. every weekend I was looking at it with with an eye to uh to, to men of a certain age, but also bored to death, which uh, which I enjoyed. You didn't, John. I can't remember if you liked it or not, Brett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and men of a certain age showed men struggling with their responsibilities, and so they kind of bonded through uh, through their plight to to kind of get through the world. And bored to death showed men who fail to grow up, and. And that if men fail to grow up, they will be systematically ostracised until they learn how to live in society. That's pretty much what I got from from Bored to Death. I've only just remembered what it was. Yeah, Yeah. no, I was trying very hard to remember because it has a title that doesn't connect to the show. Yes. Yes. No, I remember. Uh, But instead I found that the the league shows men who kind of flout their responsibilities to act like children with little to no consequence. And that's... That's what really gets me about it is is that they can do things like try to ruin each other's lives and, and it's just oh well I'll have to get you next time. There's no there's no well, real consequence. This is what I, I wondered mean, though because well, I, I wondered if this is a real thing. Like in America, one, these are, these are real relationships. Possibly people are watching this show going that is me. And I, I saw the guy who created it directed um, Euro Trip. Euro Trip, yeah, which is a yeah again an awful kind of comedy aimed at kind of you know dudes and. Yeah, maybe there are people watching this in the US who really can connect to that. But if you look at any episode of the footy show, you could fully imagine all of the guys on the panel there being exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Because that, that's that's the kind of humour they do. They they they're just always looking for opportunities to to hang shit on their buddies or or you know get one over them or whatever. It's it's, it's the whole um, Sam. What's his face shtick? Yeah, but isn't that Sam Newman? Isn't that also no, exactly Sam? What's his face? <laughs> Isn't that exactly why we end up having such a a huge uh, suicide rate amongst men? Oh yeah, of, yeah. of that age <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. because they they do uh, just pretend to like each other. They pretend to be friends. They pretend to do all this stuff when really all they're doing is spending all of their energy being mean to each other. So that when they're alone and all their emotions come out, they don't know how to deal with them. Well, I'm not sure that's an issue, Josh. 
Oh no, no. That's <laughs> that's perhaps a little bit callous. But the uh, it, it I, is curious. I was maybe we could encourage them a little bit earlier. But, <laughs> but, but it is curious that this is a comedy that makes you think about male suicide. Like that's actually where this comedy leads you. Well, yeah, and and because this is this is the thing. The show is, but it's not saying anything about that. We don't see. Uh, it, it is it is entirely surface. And if I, mean, I it's if in I favor want, of that, doesn't it? it? Actually, seems to say that's a good thing. It's a good thing. And if, if I want to see those kinds of relationships, I will go to the footy. And I will watch the crowd rather than watching the, the sport. And I don't want that kind of... I, I, I want something a little bit more, a little bit more in-depth. Especially in my comedy. I want comedy from something that is more than just being mean to people. Well, I was curious. The only character I kind of uh, was interested in was, was the one played by John LaJoya, who's, who's called Taco for no apparent reason. And... Um, the show actually presents him as being this complete imbecile, and yet he's the only one who's kind of comfortable with other cultures, and he's the only one who actually basically isn't a kind of jock dude. Like mm. he's the one who he's the he's the only one who who isn't an asshole. And there's this yeah. there's this and and, and, it, and it sort of looks down on him. He's also the only one who ever gets women, which is kind of curious that he's this this you know chick magnet because he's actually a bit more of a metrosexual and all this other stuff. And yet the show obviously yeah they all sort of sneer at him a bit, which is kind of and odd. thinking of the uh, the the funny bits, the bits that I thought were funny in the show, they're all taco related mm-hmm. particularly the the bit where he uh, he gets a job in a VW dealership because he thinks that is the greatest way to meet women uh, and he tells everyone that he and there's always hot women that drive VW yeah. Volkswagen Jettas and, yeah, there's, a, this and there's a there is a great reveal there it's 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 pretty funny and it's a it's very entertaining it's one of the only times we see taco on his own cuz usually he's turning up late to parties and uh, and and being generally irresponsible. But even with him, though, they have these two scenes where he steals some stuff, you know, from his friends. And so this is weird. There's this weird asshole element. It sort of clouds all the characters. Even maybe yeah. that's his passive aggressive get back at them. Maybe, yeah. As, as is copping off with women. Did you enjoy though? The, Did you? The, um. Yeah, like it's <laughs> it's short and sweet. Um. Uh, and I, I was definitely watching it with a, a view to com- compare and contrast to uh, men of a certain age, but um, definitely a, at least as much as cavemen. I enjoyed it. <laughs> 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 uh, like, damning with faint praise. Like it's, not, it's not a show that I would... Yeah, if I, if I was if I was sourcing it myself, I don't think I would persist in doing that. If it was on, Be- after... better or worse than Herman Wook's Winds of War, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Do I don't know um, if it were if it was on after The Simpsons and before Family Guy, I would watch through that, like I have with Cleveland, actually. Ah, see, I knew you'd like Cleveland. The uh, the no, no, we've spoken about that, and I I I do need to write an extended piece about. Uh, it it is on FX, which is uh, a, a Fox's basic cable channel in, in the US. Uh, I I kind of like I I watched through it all, and I found it vaguely entertaining, and there are some really funny bits. But I I'm kind of disturbed how it managed to make me get all kind of analytical on its ass. I was you very got analytical. Analytical. I was very proud when I thought That's of very that. Very good. Yeah. 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 Good way. Um, but, uh, you know, I can relate to it as much as I can Sex in the City, I guess. Uh, they're both really removed from, from me as a person, um, but that's fine. It's, it's funny, though, because I, I was thinking about Sex in the City when I was watching it, too, because I was thinking about a friend of mine telling me how um, 
uh, friend of mine, a female friend of mine was telling me that, that in a lot of close female friends, the friends actually aren't very good to each other. Like she was saying how often you're actually, you're, you're often... It's a bit more gossip girl than Well, she was saying you don't trust. Often, well, I, mean, I think this wasn't quite her friends, but she was saying there are circles of, of, of female friends, and she thinks sex and sex is a perfect example, where actually they don't trust each other. And I was funny because I found myself comparing that to this, thinking it's the same thing. It's, it's, you know, this is the male equivalent, that's a female equivalent. But it's groups of friends that possibly aren't really friends at all. And I found that just very uncomfortable to watch. Well, and there is that one point where uh, Paul Shear's character uh, joins another fantasy football group. And he's like the king of the group. And they're much nicer to him. Whereas he's the butt of the jokes in in the original group. Yeah. But he doesn't choose that group where everyone's nice to him. He chooses the group that where is nasty. Assholes, yeah. But and, and they kind of force him into it. It's it's now it's making me think of friend rape. This like is, it's <laughs> this is also the, the episode in which um, uh, they've gone around to other friends' houses. His lovely wife has made the most amazing meal for them all, and they're all being complete assholes, wanting to get over and done with something and go and watch the sport thing. And it just and I found and there's another episode where they go to a party, the same thing happens, and I found myself going, "You guys are jerks. You are such jerks." Because no, nothing would happen if they found out two two hours later. Yeah, and, and yeah, so basically that they just. Making other people feel unpleasant, they're they're destroying other people's enjoyment uh, throughout the series. There's one episode where they go into a bar and force everyone to watch a game they don't want to watch. It's this thing, this weird thing. Of going, you're just making life horrible for people. And when you said at the beginning that these are the people who beat up Dungeons and Dragons players in high schools, well, I mean, that that is it, isn't it? That that's what these characters are. Yeah. Just twenty years later. And uh, I don't I don't particularly want to see that on on television. I I want to see something a, a little bit more. I want to see how they actually live with themselves rather than seeing the the bit that I can see on Chapel Street any Saturday night. Mm -hmm. I want to actually see, uh, get an insight into what their home life is actually like. And there's, they touch on that with, uh, with the marriage breakup and uh, a little, a little bit of home life, but it's just, it's all periphery and none of it actually has any effect on them. And I, I think that the fact that they can act this way without consequence makes me hate the show. Hmm. I wasn't that emotional about it. But if they were my friends, I would cut them off in a freaking instant. I'd cut them. Because they were such assholes. Yeah. 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 And I, you know what I, I would do? I'd befriend them, make them think that they were cool, and then diss them totally. <laughs> Your friends, your friends who you've cut off, then I would befriend, make them think they were cool, and then diss them so that they were double dissed. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would do. Hello, this is Frank Thring, gossip from heaven on the box cutters. I bumped into Ray Charles the other day. Well, he bumped into me because his dog's not dead yet. Uh, it's not really Frank Thring. It's a very good Frank Thring, though. It is. Is it actually also uh, like pitch adjusted and stuff? Is it, no, is it no, tech free? no, that's, no tech that's, that's, that's how he did it live. And and he's it's Adam Richard uh, mm. for those who aren't aware. And he's not really known for his Frank Thring impersonation. And that is quite an astonishing Frank. But Thring I uh, I just said to him, do a Frank Thring impersonation. But he doesn't want use one of the elements of the Frank Thring, which was the <laughs> kind of kind of <laughs> expression that Frank used to use. I'm sure because uh, he was supersonic, Frank Thring. Not many people know that. <laughs> he was yeah, the, that wasn't my voice. That was just that was me going, going by the mic yeah, yeah, people, really quickly. People thought, people thought it was always Chuck Yeager who broke the sound barrier, but it was Frank really Thring. it was really just Frank Thring was standing near whoever was recording yeah, that moment. The, the Thringster. Yeah, John Richards, tell us about 
TV cliches. TV cliches. Look, this may be a bit long-winded. Please bear with me, people. Um, long-winded on this show. <laughs> I know. We we had a meeting um, when we were coming back for the holiday. The three of us got together. We talked about some various things we might do this this year. I'm breaking the fourth wall. And you're looking behind the curtain. I know. And um, and I had mentioned that, that uh, on, on our little box cutter holiday, I'd watched a few things, and I'd started to notice this thing, which is kind of a new cliche of television had turned up, and so we're, we're this is sort of kicking off. What from now on I think will be slightly more shallow than what we do today, but much much, much like the league. Yes, but to give you a bit of background, um, sorry. Before I can tell you what I saw as a cliche, I need to to tell you why it's not a cliche. Can you tell me where the curtain is? Because I'm looking for it. I can't it, find it's it. It's behind you. What? Uh, and, um, yeah, it's radio radio panto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, background now, information. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and you can guys can completely wrong. I'm going to say the, the current golden age of television we live in, in which uh, television shows are, uh, it has been said they were a bit like novels. They're, you know, they're, they're long story arc, character arcs. It can be over 13, 22 episodes, over many series. I'm going to say most of that dates back to Twin Peaks. I'm going to say Twin Peaks, I think, is kind of the starting point for the HBO-style drama that we know and love today. For some reason, I thought you were going to say Virginia Woolf. Virginia Woolf. No, um, no, no, yeah, twi- yeah. T- Twin, Peaks, Twin Peaks really started that kind yeah. of... Uh, Long series event television. That, that wasn't like a mini series or a, or a yeah, tele movie. Yeah. And that's 1990, looking at Twin Peaks. Now, before that, with TV shows, it was quite common. They were usually episodic and they would be based around certain TV cliches of the time. Like, you know, they might be a group committed, uh, convicted for a crime they didn't commit or, you know, they might be the last of their kind and, and, you know, nomads and blah, blah. But the characters wouldn't or change a, from. A man returned from the dead, whose yeah. mission it was to. Yeah, that's the thing. But characters couldn't really change from week to week because every episode was self-contained within itself. Now we have this, you know, this new novelistic approach to television. So on our holiday, I was watching uh, season one of Leverage, and I watched Glee because all the kids are watching. Now, which that. one's Leverage? Leverage is the one that, that, that's like uh, that English show Hustle, but it's not shit. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, very, very entertaining. Shouldn't be, but is. Yeah, it's actually yeah disposable telly, but really entertaining. And. Leverage is a throwback to shows like The A-Team. But the funny thing was when I was watching it, it's got this story arc through it. And the story arc doesn't remotely work because it's a disposable show about heists and things like that. Every episode should be self-contained. But every time they go, Timothy Hutton's a recovering alcoholic. He lost his son. And, it, and every time that happens, you go, oh, this is awkward. And then in the penultimate episode, the team gets split apart. Which is better, that's better than the ultimate episode. Yeah, it's a terrible moment where the team was split apart and in the last episode they get together. <laughs> then I watch Glee. Yeah, Glee is a, is a, it's a very frothy, disposable show, but has, has the lovely, lovely Jane Lynch in it. I love her. Uh, about some kids in a, in a choir, school choir. Uh, but it's with a story arcs through it. And the penultimate episode, oh, oh, they get split apart. Will they, will they go on together? Oh, the gangs, oh, it's awful. And Hang on, that's the same thing. That's the same I as know. what happened in Leverage. While this was happening too, I was ranking episode like some five. TV cliche. I then. know. And I was ranking episode five of Outland, which is a new sitcom, uh, which you may have seen the Sunday Age as the uh, cult hit of the year. I can't, I can't wait to have seen the cult hit of the year. I know, cult hit of the year, Sunday Age. Uh, we haven't actually written it yet, but the Sunday Age <laughs> was very keen. Um, Who did you pay for that? <laughs> it was bizarre. Was it yesterday? It was yesterday, Sunday Age. <laughs> Very strange. Anyway, so there I am running the penultimate episode in which be, yeah, the gang gets split apart and... Uh, uh, mm. Oh, spoiler. Anyway, and uh, and I found myself going, hang on, that's really weird, isn't it? That we've come to this point where where the reaction against what was seen as the cliche of the time of, of episodic television that no one ever developed, we've gone for this yeah, brand new golden age of television where things can evolve and change. And in fact, everything's now starting to fall into this exact pattern and it just seemed weird that television has now fallen into this new cliche in which the penultimate episode of every season will involve this splitting up of the group to put them back together. But again. was that your idea? 
or we directed to uh, yeah so we'll 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 have a nice little series and then as we're nearing the end yeah there was there was a bit of there's, that. there's yeah. lots of big conflict okay. and, and this so, is from from the yeah. money people yeah, the abc was very keen on story arcs because yeah we went in with things saying it's episodic comedy and they went no it needs to have story arcs and, and then we, everybody kind of comes yeah. back together in the last one and, and you can relax yeah and we, and we developed this thing and it was that thing of the realization going oh hang on we're all we're all doing this thing that that from a dramatic it makes sense, you know, from a dramatic narrative point of view, and it is quite, you know, effective when you're watching these shows. But it was that something where I started to see it over and over again, and realised that we'd fallen into what is now a new cliche. Oh, you'd been directed of, into the new cliche of Saint Elmo's fire, but with a feel-good coda. Yes, yes. Saint Elmo's fire has affected us all. Well, anyway, and that's what I was going to bring it to you guys to go. Well, is this just have I just lucked upon you know a couple of shows in one go? Or have we got to this weird point where the most groundbreaking thing you could probably do now in television is to make episodic television in the style of the A-Team? Like, would that be amazing now if you said, we're going to make TV shows in which characters don't change? Would that would that actually be quite groundbreaking? Or would you get it greenlit? Or is that because- CSI? Well, I mean, that's the thing. CSI is, yeah, has always been massively, massively popular, I think, because you don't need any background to watch it. CSI, Law & Order... And and so those shows that have franchised themselves mm-hmm. uh, don't have any of that uh, any of that arc. If they do, it's it's very very minimal, uh, and and only there just in case somebody who likes watching those shows likes it and it's just just kind of a, t- a tiny taste. But uh, those shows are franchised because they can mm. uh, they can just have as many of the same characters as they want spread throughout the country uh, doing their own jobs and the problems come to them. But is that is that it? I, I was trying to think of, of more examples of, of more of that episodic television whether there is anything left. You know, because even things that shows like the X-Files used to have sort of self-contained yes. episodes and they're all gone. I couldn't, I couldn't kind of come up with anything that is like that anymore. Maybe something Midsummer Murders, but aren't they telemovies? I could be wrong on that. Uh, I can't remember how long they are. They feel long. Uh, do they count for anything? They're very popular. I, I know, and yet people, lots of people complain about them. <laughs> and also, like UK TV doesn't generally fit the mould of what's happening in the rest of the English speaking world. But, but even UK TV though has gone that way now as well. Yeah, they're all they're all sort of character arcs usually rather than a than a narrative arc. Through stuff like Midsummer Murders and Diallo and Pascoe. Well, I was going to say Midsummer Murders is the only one I could think of that I think definitely doesn't have any kind of character arc. To but it, if but you I'm not sure about the others. if you don't have a character arc. I mean, and th- the thing about having character arcs is it's it's a lot easier than writing episodic television that is compelling enough to keep people watching week after week. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have character arcs or uh, or just whole group story arcs, then people watch the next week because they want to see what's going to happen, not necessarily because they just enjoy the show. And, I mean, that was the, uh, yes, the, there yeah. was a real simplicity with uh, with the A Team and Greatest American Hero and. All Mork of that and Mindy. Uh, is, is that, uh, yeah, you you did just have the, the show itself was just entertaining. I mean, it's not anymore. You go back and watch it, and it's god awful, horrible, mm-hmm. and requires a lot of exposition yeah. and uh, and just continues on. But uh, but at the time, all we wanted was uh, was fast cars and uh, people get into into trouble and out of trouble. And so, I guess I'm kind of curious. Do you think there's any sort of um cyclical nature to this like because we know I know yeah, if we say it's from Twin Peaks that's 20 years of this particular type of television do you think we're we're likely to go to another way or is this the way that we would do it now would people actually watch something that was 
purely episodic? I, I think people I think people will if it's if it's compelling enough. If it's exciting, they they definitely will. I mean, that was the the great thing about CSI when it started. wasn't I mean, it wasn't that it wasn't uh, a story arc. It was actually that it was episodic television that had something exciting to it. It had the bullet cam, mm-hmm. which was uh, ex- extraordinary. You, you see a bullet go into a body, and you know, all those sound effects and, and everything. And, that, uh, and was that was that post uh, Three Kings, which also used that? Mm-hmm. It did a lot of sort of zooming, Post, uh, zooming into uh, stuff as well. Yeah. Was the big CSI Fight Club? The... Fight Club kind of went through the brain synapses in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, in you the know, look, credits. look who's talking went through the fallopian tubes in the opening credits. Is it really? There's, yeah, there's really. Some... <laughs> <laughs> it was so groundbreaking. It's affected everything that came after it. Hey, why, why don't Why don't I uh, give you my thesis Especially... on Amy Heckling movies? <laughs> and uh, so you know, it, it wasn't entirely new, but it was. It was something a little bit extra to to see, and it was shot differently. It was lit differently. It was down lights and lots of blues. And... Yeah, and it, so it was different to a lot of things that we had seen. Enough to get people to watch it, and and people obviously like it because there are nineteen of them now. No, there really nineteen different seasons. No. Did you make? I, was, I, was, I made that up. I think there are three, but it could have gone either way. It could have been either just made up the top of your head, or it could have been true. Yeah. I, I didn't know. But there, there are three. There are three there's, of those, there's, and and NCIS and like that. that that standard police procedural but, family, but yeah. NC, NCIS sometimes they take little digs at each other. But and... NCIS has an ongoing storyline, and that's that's where it's different. Does it? Yeah, I haven't watched enough. There of is that, there is an ongoing storyline. Oh, uh... just bore the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> but these but these procedurals have have often just been episodic, and so there there is always going to be a market for them, uh, but. Is it necessarily going to be on television? I, I don't know. Be, because, I mean, if, if think about viral videos, viral videos on, on the internet. These are just single things that we see once. And, and, then, and then we see things like Keyboard Cat, which mm-hmm. is essentially what you're talking about. It's episodic little videos. No, no, st- no story arc. And we know what the gag's going to be. And we know exactly what the gag's going to be. But we keep watching it. Mm-hmm. And every time there's a new Keyboard Cat, we want to watch it oh, or because it's... Really? it's keep, still watching that. I, I love keyboard. I love keyboard. I actually find the Hitler meme. I, I, I'm not bored of it yet, which is funny. You know, the, the, I've the never scene sat through reading all the, those. Oh, really? Oh, I, I, I find those endlessly <laughs> fascinating. So I watched one about the tote the other day. But um, yeah. It was so that's, kind of... so that's, that's where we're seeing it now. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, things that have started in the, uh, in the periphery have moved on to the mainstream. And, those things, and so uh, that kind of episodic nature when somebody works out how to turn that into a half hour or one hour television drama it will come back when the taste for it comes back Mm -hmm. but at the moment they know that they can keep viewers watching week after week with some kind of intrigue well that's big and i must be you know because the first series of true blood i watched all of i hated true blood i think it's a terrible program but it has the most amazing cliffhangers and every cliffhanger you go well i'll just watch a bit of the next one just to see how they get out of it you know and i thought that was quite interesting that it was such an old school trick in some ways, but it was a very new school thing of keeping the story going. Now, has the mentalist kind of shifted back into just straight, straight episodic thing? Because the, the early episodes were were very, 
you know, he's he's got internal conflicts because of Red John and and the smiley face at, at murder scenes and stuff, and and this guy that killed his wife and daughter or whatever uh, is is taunting him. Right? And did they with each dump episode? That? Is that what you're asking? Well, the the recent episodes I've seen, he hasn't he hasn't come across smiley faces. Or I don't know if they resolved mm-hmm. that if he caught caught him or shot him or what. I think my um, answer was but, uh, but was in uh, is that still a shot? The ones the ones on at the moment uh, seem to have just forgotten about that. I don't think Community has a, any particular character arcs. But, it's, it, but it's, did, didn't that change? Also, because I actually realised I really love Community for much of that reason. I, I, uh, it was so nice to see a show that was just refreshingly kind of you can dip just in at any front. point. Doesn't yeah. matter what episode you're on. But the reviews I'd seen on the AV Club said, "Oh, it's good that after a while it started to see uh, you know, story arcs and character arcs. They seem to be wanting it, and it felt a bit cheated." Yeah, and so it. and so it has. Uh, they have started coming in, uh, ever so slightly, because the gag is I'm still the thing in, in Community, which. Well, I think sometimes it's interesting to know whether whether things are an evolution and we shouldn't go back because it's a stupid idea, or if if there are many options and things just become in and out of fashion. I did mention uh, to one producer fairly recently, I think about a three camera setup sitcom, saying, "Oh, this other thing is just meant to be really straightforward," and got this very strange reaction. Like I said, "Oh, I want to make some really racist snuff videos or something." Like it was just this idea that obviously. Uh, some people kind of think you can't make that kind of thing ever. Like we've we've passed on from that. It'd be like saying I want to make, yeah, something in black and white on a four hundred and five line camera, yeah, rather than just saying, I think it's I think the three camera sitcom still has a validity to itself, you know, as a as a form. Um, but this person had thought it was a form that we had passed to get to much better sort of comedy. Well, but is it, it just that the boring middle aged white men who are the money people that have to sign off on everything? Have just caught on to the the second last episode. You have you have the team split up, and then come back for the last episode, and they can't they can't get in their head the concept of going with any other formula for for making a show said, at this point until I, until they come up with the next thing that is yeah, two, that year, takes over, two yeah. years old that they think is is absolute cutting so edge. I should point out I don't think this is actually you know, wrong either. I mean, uh, each of these shows I saw that did this, it worked really well. You know, and and so it's kind of an interesting thing of you know maybe maybe it is good we've moved to this, maybe you know we shouldn't ever go back to that kind of a team style because it's terrible. But it's just that interesting thing of the new cliche of saying, well, now I'm starting to see it everywhere. Well, Adam Richard wrote a piece in the Green Guard a, a couple of weeks ago about uh, looking for uh, a sitcom, looking for a three camera sitcom mm-hmm. uh, that had a live studio audience, and not being able to find one, not being able to find one that was good. So you know, he he knew about Two and a Half Men and. Uh, but two of two of the most popular comedies on US television at the moment are How I Met Your Mother and The Big Bang Theory, and they are both three camera laughers, mm-hmm. uh, and and they've kind of been embraced by uh, by networks and and critics alike, saying, well, there is still a market for that kind of traditional television, and that's why Nine isn't playing Big Bang Theory on their main channel. Well, it's really there's no room with two and a half men everywhere. They just can't. They can't fit it in. The uh, why nine make their programming decisions, I think, is a completely different conversation. That's again, we're going to need to. But get, that doesn't seem we're like they're going to need to get that. their hypnotist and a medium in and <laughs> and, and, and they, a Ouija board. They did try it on the main channel, and, and yeah, they but, got rid of it. Yeah, but they try heaps of stuff on the main channel. They tried West Wing. They tried Sopranos. They tried lots of stuff. Uh, the Wire. 
that they keep trying on their main channel, but they don't actually give it a good go. Yeah, there's no commitment to it. So no, there's they, no commitment to it. No guts. I think, I think we're not going to see... We're not really going to see television trends coming out of Australia at this stage. Not with, not with the way that the networks have no commitment to any of their, uh, any of their decisions at all. That's, it's just not going to happen. Because they're not committing the money to, to making a show work, they're, they're buying shows for cheap and they think that they're dispose, disposable. So that's why we get, we get problems like that. I don't think that's a good enough uh, reason to say, well, clearly there isn't a place on television for for those shows. I, I, I think there's a place and I think that there was nothing wrong with Big Bang Theory that should have taken it off the main nine channel. Uh, but, except that, you know, they probably didn't advertise it well and uh, and uh, and put it on a, an awkward time. Friday night over summer. Friday, Friday night at, uh, you know, 8.15. Uh, so that's that's your, your TV cliches. So that was yeah, that was sort of k- kicking off a TV cliche I had noticed over the holidays. So yeah. if, if you've seen a TV cliche, you'd like to let us know about. Hooray at foxcutters.net. dot uh, net. I, I believe that what you said at the start uh, will be true. This segment will become more trite as we go on. Oh yeah, uh, can I also say number two? People who can't put IKEA furniture together. Oh, that's a TV cliche. I also hilarious. would like to stop seeing. <laughs> yeah. Larry Postman. We uh, we got a letter from Eddie Boxcutter during the week uh, that uh, you know he goes he loves the show of course he does why wouldn't he it's excellent uh, then he says just love it so is there something more than love Eddie is there something more than love that you can be giving us and you're just giving us love no it's a it's a turn of phrase oh. Oh, okay. Not just a limiting thing. I love right, your so chubby cheeks. I just love them. Oh, okay. Phew. Well, thanks, Eddie, for writing <laughs> in. Uh, he says uh, a, a couple of thoughts. He's a writer who uh, who has written on, uh, he says, the show that featured a hospital without an Indian or Asian doctor that we mentioned last week when uh, when, when talking to Nazim Hussain. Uh and he's he writes a very long piece uh, that uh, I hope to maybe we, we can speak to him on the show at some stage to uh, to get his uh, his insights a little bit more about this. But essentially, he says that no matter how much writers want to put ethnicity into a show, uh, they're told that budgetary constraints can't uh, can't force casting departments to limit their uh, their, their scope. He actually says something like that, doesn't he? That you can't even give them an ethnic-sounding name. He seems to say if you, if you put a name to the character, that sounds like it, it complicates it, casting. Yeah, yes. they're going. Oh no! Oh, too hard to cast. Oh no, you can't do that. Uh, and he also says uh, that uh, he thinks writers, for the most part, are sensitive to not writing a character poorly or inauthentically, as most writers are aware of the history of stereotypical representations of non-Anglo characters. Now still, most writers in Aussie TV are Anglos, so in the 44 eps a year uh, of a hospital show, there is not the time to do some good research on the real life of an Indian woman living in Sydney today. All the research time is spent in trying to understand the mysterious and complicated medical procedure you are doing that week. And so by not wanting to write something that will offend someone by being inaccurate or ignorant, you take the easier approach and just invent an Anglo 
character you feel you know something about. It doesn't uh, spell it out, but was Eddie the only writer on on that uh, hospital show? I imagine, I imagine there would be many writers. No, no, no. On, lots, on that. There's yeah. a d- different writer every, every week. I do wonder about though, because I and, and I'm sure, I think Nazim kind of went the other way on this, but I'd actually quite uh, be happy just to see more non-white characters who actually aren't written to do anything particularly different than the white characters are doing because I think we have an awful lot of people in Australia who are like that. So I, I would actually yeah, quite like to see some Indian characters in a show like that who don't do anything of any particular well, Indianness. But people know. watch that, that it and they're the, just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was the be. thing we were talking about with, with, uh, with Nazim is it, it, there's, there's a no-win situation there. We don't see any uh, secular Muslims on television, mm-hmm. for instance. But if we did, uh, th- there would there would be that thing of well, a is it tokenism, uh, and b well when when are we going to see their true face? Right, right. The the oh, a, a secular ethnic person. Well, what are they hiding? Rather than rather than oh, they're third generation. And they just have a different skin. Yeah, because I actually I worry more that the, the tokenism going the other way, where it's it's every storyline has to be about the, their otherness. You know, and it's like, well, why not just have them there? Well, I just keep waiting for Sam Pang to bring out the fortune cookies on ADBC, <laughs> personally. One of the things that Breakers Because it's the Chinese. Hey, uh, I've just said Breakers. My... I'm about oh, to say good about I was, Breakers. I wanted to, I wanted to <laughs> mention <laughs> Breakers last, last yeah, week. Breakers was, was a, I was going to say, late night soap opera. I don't think it was intended to be one of those. Oh, no, it was both. It was at 4.30 in the afternoon and at 11.30 at night. Okay, set in Sydney, Bondi Beach took place in a magical, magical building, which, like the TARDIS, inside had everything in the world you could imagine. So there was a, a drop-in youth centre, there was a cafe, there was a modelling agency, there was at least three or four flats, and a newspaper office. Um, and it was about two stories tall. Anyway, in Breakers, there was a character called Reuben, who was the world's only Aboriginal Jewish man, judging by the name and actor. Um, and, and, and a sandwich. And a sandwich. There was a, 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 an Asian character, and there was a gay character, and, um, and for a change, they weren't all the same person. And it was kind of nice that... John um, Richards. They, <laughs> mine's just a black lesbian in a wheelchair. That's quite common in series. Anyway. Um, <laughs> And we got rid of the Asian character because we were worried it was turning racist. <laughs> but but yeah, you, you anyway, about, um, about Breakers. But in Breakers, and they actually said at the time, the characters were just written to be characters. They, they cast an Aboriginal actor, they cast an Asian character just because they were the best actors who auditioned for the parts. So they, they liked them. And I kind of think it would be nice. For me, I'd like to see more of that. And maybe then, you know, once we can actually break through the, the, the white, you know, the white Australia policy on television, maybe then we can maybe do some... Something a bit and, more with it later on. And, I don't know. And Breakers for a, a, at a time when everybody was completely cynical about, uh, particularly Channel Ten and soap opera. Channel Ten managed to produce a soap opera where the cynics loved the show. Uh, we, we used to we used to watch Breakers uh, and talk about it the next day. We would watch the eleven thirty mm-hmm. episode uh, and uh, and and talk about it the next day, which is something that. Channel Ten would never have achieved with Neighbours that uh, hope, uh, that Seven never achieved with with Home and Away. It is the only soap I ever watched. And and I, I don't know why. I just found it. Yeah, kind because of there was some, there was something compelling about it, and I think it was this kind of honesty of of just wanting to uh, tell a, a good story and and put in good casting and not be as constrained by uh, what the networks thought mm. should be on television. 
Oh, there was an HIV positive character as well, who again, not one of those previous three, three characters really? that I mentioned. She was the young, young, pretty white girl, was the HIV positive character. So that was quite impressive. Too. I'm, I'm shocked. Yes, shocked. I'm shocked. Brent, have you got a letter there? Uh, yeah. You can say no because I've got plenty. Well, well, I was. <laughs> uh, you didn't go into the uh, the other network thing there. I, I was wondering. I, can we speculate? Do you think that was Secret Life of Us? I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm going to read the quote. I'm not going to read the quote or speculate on. Uh, <laughs> On, on, on things that could get Eddie, us tell into. us if it was Secret Life. Well, we won't say it on air. Can I lead, lead to something else then? I, I had a couple of people tell me how much they enjoyed uh, the discussion about Conan and all the other Leno and all that because they were saying we, they kept reading references to it but not actually, like me, not understanding what the hell the whole thing was about and they mm. felt that, that, that you, Josh, did quite a good job of making some sense of it all. Not everyone agrees, though, <laughs> as this letter from a listener proves. Do you, do you have the... Uh, oh, the, uh, the... Oh, hang on. No, I've, Brett, got, have you got I've got to get I've that I've got up. it. Uh, thank God for Mordwire. He, she knows their facts. Amongst your many wrong comments, NBC planned to move Conan's tonight show to 12.05am, not 12.30am. That's 25 minutes difference! Your knowledge on the NBC Leno Conan screw-up is minimal. Next time, please get a person in who can handle the topic Absolutely. Uh, next time. Like, we're ever going to talk about this again. You know, it's like, I think for Australian podcasts about television, you covered that admirably. And yes. Well, th- th- thank you. Uh, I was going to get someone else to, to, uh, to talk about it, but then actually thought that I knew quite a bit about it. Mm. Except for specific times of when <laughs> shows were on. About 25 th- minutes. It's like the whole weapons of mass destruction thing, isn't it? Um, so, so you know, if I got any of the any any of the politics wrong, if I got uh, any of that stuff wrong that I didn't already mention was wrong on air, like I, I you know I got confused with the with some late night talk show hosts and and things like as I kept talking. But if I got anything else wrong, please please let me know. And if I got show times wrong by twenty five minutes, then please l- l- let me know as well. I've apologised on the blog, but apologies to uh, all those in the US who do rely on box cutters here for your uh, television scheduling needs. Because no one in the US is covering that at all. No. uh, Those details. There are a number of publications, though, uh, both printed and on the internet, that uh, are much more reliable. Well, you can actually find those, uh, those bits of information, like when shows are on. Yeah. Yeah. Other than just listening to us and what the three shows that we... TV Guide. And what's that? That, that's surely what's a guide for, for how to buy a television. Is that no, like no, the form no, guide? No, no. Is that like the form guide for... Uh, no, it has specific times. Yeah. Specific yeah. correct times. Yeah. Ah. Oh, you know what else? What? Because they have switched off the analog signal in the US. Yeah. EPGs. Electronic program guides. It's right there on your TV. But if if uh, a show does not go to air, like the uh, the Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien... At twelve oh five or twelve thirty five, which is not going to air at at that time, mm. it's just not happening. Mm. Uh, then that's not going to appear in a TV guide or an electronic program is this guide. Like a tree falling in the forest. Thing? Yeah, because the sh- the show doesn't exist. So then well, it is case. up to me to get it bloody right. <laughs> no, 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 and no. I've got the lashes on my back. In that to case, prove how sorry I am. They can watch uh, just like John Savage Letterman. and Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Yeah, but with less pages. Yeah. Dave Letterman got his uh, got his facts right, uh, and, uh, and he's got a massive research team. It's true. He's yeah. got a lot of staffers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a euphemism. Now, uh, Alistair wrote in uh, to ask a question, saying uh, he he's been in love with a show called Beautiful People, 
Pretty sure that it appeared on the ABC at some point, but I was just wondering whether any of you guys have seen it. And if so, what do you think? I've seen it. I've seen a couple of episodes. Did you see it? It was seen the Wednesday. Sorry, he finishes with the Keep Up the Good Work. So, surely, I think that was sent before I messed up the whole Oh, yeah, yeah, before the 25-minute debacle. Thanks, Paul I was going to say, I've heard heard much, much love of Beautiful People. Many, many listeners of this show have told me how much they loved it. Really? I I managed to get 10 minutes into one episode and I did it. Punch that in. Yeah. I'm the same. I keep meaning to go back and have another go. I will will have another go. I sat through two. Mm-hmm. I read so it, it, the the premise is it's a it's an English guy in New York working uh, as a window dresser it, uh, retail window merchant, dresser well window dresser we yeah, call it merchandising something rather yeah um, visual merchandising oh uh, but uh, he's gay and uh, he has certain uh, uh, proclivities objects no. Uh, Pants, <laughs> no. ideas. He has he has certain uh, scars and and character flaws, peculiarities, right. about himself that are that are informed by Objet his Dard. days growing up so, in the UK. Yeah, so he shows ah. a flashback to when he was a, a student yeah. and and in the nineties. Uh, has amazing cast in the nineties, um, like it's. The, I, the retro 50s. I read Olivia. An, I want to say Olivia Coleman. I don't know what's her name, but I do apologize. De Havilland? No, but she's the woman who's in uh, a lot of the Mitchell Webb stuff who's amazing. She plays the mum. Mm. Um, really great cast. And yeah, I'm, I really should give it another go. I, and and honestly, so. so many people who listen to this show have raved about it. So, no, so. it's just I, uh, freaking so annoying. Is, I, uh, I, I the the I blind aunt. Uh, I d- didn't, Mira, I d- Mira Sahal, isn't it? Playing the, the blind Didn't get that aunt? far. Yeah, I read an article about this guy in the New Yorker and. And was fascinated by it. And so was really excited when ABC started showing it, taped it, started watching it going, oh, I think I'll just read that article again. Well, curiously, his, his real life, actually, the, 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 the things that the, sort of the young person, he was young, I think it was the 70s or 60s. Um, like he's an, an older guy and yeah. had written that originally and they went, oh, no, it's going to be contemporaries. And that's why it had got moved to the 90s. And you kind of wonder if it made it a bit ago. more fun if it had been... Yeah, a bit more way back, but you know. But then you couldn't have a, a sexy young twenty-something gay boy in New York. You can have whatever you want, John. <laughs> that was Brett. That was Brett. No, no. no Brett <laughs> said. Brett looked at you and said, "You can't have." But that wouldn't be the the, the person <laughs> setting up the the flashback. Ah, ah. So you meant one can't. One have. can't have. And yeah. I w- and I and then I would have said, "One can have whatever one wants." One never knows what the heart desires. But, uh, yes. That's letters to Boxcutters. <laughs> hooray at boxcutters.net or uh, the Contact Us link on the form or 0458 Cutter or anything else that I say at the end of the show. Okay, question three. Which yeah, can I... All these going to be about war. No. i got loads of... i got one on tennis, one on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Box. Brett. It's like an old friend, isn't it? Brett. That we haven't seen all year. I'm hoping that just because you've played that thing, the, the quiz thing, and remember we had that competition that mm. I'm not, I don't want to talk about. Yes. Last At the end of last year. Yes. Remember was, we had that. It was, uh, well, officially looking at the, at the website, the Box Cutters Pitch Competition. Uh, the does, fantastic so, competition that had a massive response from, from does, listeners. Does that and, mean you, you finally have a winner? And, and people all over the place for a fantastic crumpler beanbag. The entries we did get were really good. We the, should, ent- the, yeah. entries, the entries were, were, were fantastic. And we should actually name them all by name, but I can't remember who they were off the hand because we could, we could do it. We easily. weren't exactly flooded. We're not no. quite. They were very good, though. The quality was high. 
of the ones we yeah. got. But by far the, the best execution uh, fooled me when uh, I first uh, pulled the advertising pamphlets postcard out of my uh, pee hole here at Triple R. Um, See, I thought you were going to say box, but no, you've had another filthy way of saying it. Pigeonhole, that's, that's <laughs> what that's short for. Uh, with a front of, uh, sorry we missed you, with a kind of splotch on the, on there, uh, in, in the blue. And uh, on the back, but don't you miss, surprise paintball. Uh, it's the crazy fun of candy camera with the high octane action of paintball. Join us each week as unsuspecting members of the public get splattered by our hidden paint snipers. You never know where or when we'll strike. At the bus stop, in a supermarket freezer section, in a pensioner's back garden, in the head. <laughs> it's crazy, messy, harmless. Fun for all the family. Uh, court case pending on that uh, <laughs> harmless. That's the, uh, the little footnote there. And coming soon, Celebrity Surprise Paintball. Uh, surprise Paintball and Celebrity Surprise Paintball are registered trademarks of actual Chad Productions. Copyright 2009. One, one of the great things about Chad is that not... Uh, not only did he uh, send in that entry that he won for, but also 85 other entries. Uh, my favourite of, of which was Somebody Called the Corpse. <laughs> yes. A buddy, a buddy, buddy, buddy cop, cop, show. cop yeah. show with uh, a tough by-the-book policewoman and, and a, a dead body. Yeah. Um, can we, and, I, and, I, and I, I honestly say this, please say no, can, can we put these all together on, on the blog? Is there a way of putting a little gallery together to show the, the entries? Put them all in the one place. No, they are pretty much if you go to the box cutters. No, no, they're not. And there's photographs. No, they're not. There are two there. And, there, and there's also the photos that we, we took, which we didn't put up at the entry, which was... Where, uh, apparently, I was whipping a dead horse. Whipping in, a dead horse. Yes. Putting yes. out the call for more entries. Yes, that was excellent. Brett, you have all of those. So you, you have Actually, it's, it, it was uh, an uploaded asset uh, there. Hopefully, it uh, went across when we changed when the we service. Changed service. Hopefully, we can combine them all together for a little little gallery you can go to and see the That, that, the that would be lovely, entries. but considering... Yeah, yeah, I'd you know, let's let's not make any promises. <laughs> so, uh, actual Chad, uh, get in touch with us, and uh, we'll we'll organise a, a live in studio uh, give, prize giving ceremony. He he promises so much. I know. <laughs> Are you going to organise that? If as you're well? up for it, but well, you're, you're but, organising but that. Well done. We'll be here. Well done, actual Chad. Chad. Is he is he in the studio? Yeah, congratulations. Hey, oh, well done, actual Chad. <laughs> that was Wilhelm scream. Just, uh, oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks to Wilhelm for coming in specifically for that. Uh, I have a crumpler. Now that we've we've dealt with uh, that that fantastic competition, we're back to uh, the regular weekly crumpler giveaway. And this, is, uh, this this week's question is: Well, I should say what you're, what you're playing for first. Oh, what what are you playing for? It's a small hooja, which uh, this one's in black gunmetal, and it's got a card attached. It looks like a fish. Um, it's a mm-hmm. very cute little pouch. Would be excellent. I'm going to say for a, perhaps a single large chicken breast, or perhaps a, a a nice sort of chicken thigh. Half a dozen chicken nuggets, maybe. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have half a dozen chicken nuggets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free range. For those who have actually, God, that makes me hungry. For those who haven't been listening to the show for a while, we should, we should point <laughs> out that yes, the, the crumpler. For some reason, crumpler uh, equipment. We always like to give you a, a chicken-related uh, sizing what, policy. Let's ha- how how you could fit chickens. What what? So not a drumstick. It's too it's no too, too short, short for a drumstick. Too short for a drumstick. But what about a couple of drumettes? Uh, yeah, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, okay. or, or, I mean, you could go crazy and put, like, a little camera or phone. If inside. you fold them up tightly, a couple of uh, buffalo wings. Mm. Mm. Once, uh, mm. It is hard getting the, the wings off the buffalo. So, no, so you can shove that in your small hooja. Yes. Uh, this week's question is, what are the two shows that John was watching 
that made him think that there was a storytelling cliche cycle going around. I know so, the answer to that. What are the t- yeah, you can't enter. Oh, damn. You can't enter. But next week you can enter because you're not. Um, <laughs> right. But th- this week you, c- you can't. What are the two shows that John watched during his break that made him think of this thing that entries. we talked about at length? Entries on uh, the various uh, methods at the end of the program. If you watch one thing. Oh my God, are we only up to this bit? <laughs> Well, we can we can rip through this pretty quickly. Uh, Seven Ages of Rock is uh, my pick for this week. Uh, it's uh, we are the champions to Stadium Rock on ABC One. What, what is that? It's, it's, it sounds like a lot of words. Um, well, it's talking about uh, rock music and how it's presented in a live context. It goes from uh, Queen, clearly, We Are the Champions. That was uh, one of their hit, smash hit singles uh, to stuff like uh, the Zooropa Tour with U2 and, and, uh, and the multimedia extravaganza. Uh, and, and was Lemon after that? Yeah. And, and, uh, the whole thing was a lemon. It was uh, the Satanic Versus uh, dude. Someone rushed they, they brought out on stage once. Yes. And they, he didn't get sniped. He sang one. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going for... Uh, <laughs> I love the idea of someone rushed karaoke. <laughs> but they also had they also had wingless buffaloes <laughs> galloping in the background. The, the one thing I was going to go for... I actually found it quite hard to find something. I don't know. If, uh, I'm week, but, and eventually I went, you know what? I'm going to go for the Magic Roundabout because it's on 11.20am every single day of the week. On even ABC weekends, two, even weekends, <gasps> Dougal's still alive. No, but, and then the, the, the other, it's something thing. I've been assuming this is the original classic children's series, The Magic Roundabout. Maybe it's some bastardized 21st century CGI version. I don't think I, they've had a reboot. Are you of sure? Because they did make a feature film a couple of years back with a completely different voice cast in the UK and the US. Really? Yeah, I think Kylie's in the UK version. Judy Dench may be in both. But uh, yeah, it was called Dougal in America because they apparently never heard of the Magic Roundabout. So the Magic Roundabout, ABC Two. What was what was the name of the spring thing with Zebedee. the mustache? Zebedee. Mm. Lost us this week. Lost. No, not here. Lost. Channel Seven haven't said anything about lost. that after no, the I tennis. I can't think of anyone who could be lost. watching there. If you're in North America, Lost <laughs> starts this week. Lost on a magical island. That's the, they're lost. So it I, starts this week. If you're going to watch one thing, <laughs> you should illegally download the first episode of the last series of Lost. Now, I haven't it's wa- Lost. I haven't watched much, but it is a show I can just dip into. You can just, you can just come straight in. <laughs> just come straight in. The water's fine. Okay. So what's the deal with that? Have Seven completely abandoned Lost? Have Seven completely because, ignored my emails? Like, clearly they, they just... <laughs> Figured that nobody was interested last season, and they're were, encouraging they it up at midnight. I think I think like, they're encouraging. This is insane for a massive show like Lost. If I'm to read their silence correctly, <laughs> they're encouraging they're people to download it illegally <laughs> and watch it at their leisure. I think that's, we, what, I think that's what they were trying to tell us. Please uh, download. Can we get it somebody on the line to confirm that? <laughs> you you know what? You can call you can call the switchboard and ask if you want. <laughs> So the switchboard. Let's do that. Let's do that now. The switchboard hasn't uh, been able to tell you uh, when it might be coming to air if they're fast tracking Lost uh, for this season because, like, we've we've invested four years of our life in, in multiple times. In, also, in some are, cases, are they fast tracking it with one T or two? Case. 
Because I always think that that's important where there's one T or two in the fast track. Uh, I think it's two, but the second one's italicized. Occasionally, this is I the think one. That's how that goes. That's how fast it is. Right. There's not time for two T's. How are we going on the phone there, Josh? It's still ringing. Uh, oh, hang on. It's John Deeks. Really? All our operators are busy. Yeah. You can... Do you want to bring him on? We've scoured the country to find Australia's best home cooks. It's state versus state, plate versus plate. Our kitchen rolls! <laughs> Your roll. podcast is on hold. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but chefs Peter Evans and... and... And we're going... Welcome to Seven Network, it's Melissa. Hi, Melissa, it's Josh calling from uh, Box Cutters here. And uh, just so you know, we're, we're recording, but it's, it's really a yes or no uh, answer. Do you have an air date for when Lost is coming back? Not that I'm aware of. Just let me check for you just a moment. I know it's not far away, if that helps. Yeah, not um, not really. Because the theory that uh, that we have here in the studio is is that by not having an air date, essentially Channel 7's giving people permission to illegally download Lost. Uh, is, is that the case, or are we completely mistaken? See, unfortunately, I can't comment on anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't try, don't try and get Melissa into trouble, Josh. Okay. That's just I'm, mean. Actually, I'm, quite, I'm quite happy for Melissa to say absolutely not. Channel 7 would never do anything of the sort. Yes. Channel 7 are absolutely wonderful, and I adore working for them, and I'm going to keep it that way. Cool. Well, bless, bless you, Melissa. Well, Melissa, just while we're here, can you put us through to somebody that can, is authorised to... Unfortunately, during, because it's like 20 past 8, there's no one here. I, I'm it, unfortunately, and unfortunately, they don't allow me to say too much. You are single-handedly so, running the station, I Melissa. Actually, you know what I am. <laughs> It'd all fall down like a house of cards if I wasn't here. Now that now that the tennis is over, now that the tennis yeah. is over, all that staff on holidays, Melissa, run the station for two weeks. Oh, if any, exactly. It, it's exactly what happens. Well, you're doing a you're doing a bang up job. <laughs> can I say? You. Sorry, I can't give you any more info. But look, if you call back nine to five tomorrow, we can speak to publicity for you. Not a problem. That's great. Thank you very much, Melissa. Have a lovely evening, guys. Bye. 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 You heard it here first, people. Channel 7 We break news. You. They want you to download it illegally. I, I don't think that's really what Melissa Is was saying. Is that not what Melissa was saying? I, I don't think that was really what she was saying, no. But it starts Well, she said week. she couldn't tell people that that's what they were saying. She's not authorised to, to tell us that that's the case. But it, but it starts this week. How could they not? That's what I don't understand. Anyway, if I was going to watch one thing and break the law... That's what I would do, but of course I am an upstanding law-abiding citizen, and I'll just uh, work out a way to uh, to hack into well, coolers. Well, so what I... should I say? Uh, when is that Lost. Uh, on in Australia? Lost. Well, on in Australia, Channel Seven don't no, have no, an no. end date yet. Uh, Australian time for the US oh, broadcast Thursday afternoon. When when's it being uh, torrented? Uh, it, it'll be. It should be <laughs> up on the torrents by about. Five PM on Thursday. Well, if I was going to watch one thing and break the law, I'd watch the Magic Roundabout while committing arson. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. Yeah, two can the- play at that game, you know. Okay, question. So, what, what are you doing? <laughs> that brings <laughs> us to the end of a Box Cutters episode 210. I want to say thanks so much to Melissa from Channel 7 for being such a great sport. Bless you. Uh, and, uh, and also uh, thanks to uh, you, John, for coming back. Yeah, yeah thanks to me. You didn't just disappear after after we said, yeah, fortnightly, sure. And he just went, fortnightly, I thought you meant biennially. Yeah, jo- Josh thought it was a ruse. But no, <laughs> no, 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 fortnightly. Hey, I did have a touch of pork. Oh, yeah. The iPod was, iPad a touch was of launched. Pork. 
over the week. Can I just say? Can I just say? Pork is not for things that are not about television. No, no, this is about television. That's just what your own personal blog is for. Because that's what brettcropley.com. Carrie Bickmore's uh, response on uh, the the day that it was uh, announced, and it was on news broadcasts all over the place for the entire day and a half, uh, was that uh, it just made her think of feminine hygiene products. Like how this is novel, Brave New World. But with less pages. I just thought I should put a third reference in. But that's about tampons. Rule of three. Whereas this was the iPad. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That does bring us to the end of Box Cutters episode 210. Uh, Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. And I... As ever, continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time. Same bat channel. With Nelly Thomas. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Box Cutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. Really, you're still on hold. Yeah, all they do. I um, I know. I just wanted to speak to my list. She again. really is busy because they had so much stuff lined up for after the tenants. Yeah, and yeah. so she and she has to she has to put it all up on. So meanwhile, it's... we're we're just distracting her with questions she's not allowed to answer. Yeah, but I don't I don't want to get her fired. Well, no, maybe maybe she could be a Mister Black. Maybe we she won't could. say who it is. Well. John Deeks is telling me that our, our delay is still going to be as brief as possible, so maybe we'll have an answer for you next week. Is he saying uh, your your business is important to us? No. You, you know who I like better than John Deeks? Who? Pete Smith. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters. <laughs>